names like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to the I Loathe Basketball podcast. Actually aptly named, given that uh, what the Lakers are going to be putting on the court tonight with Anthony Davis, LeBron James. I mean... Like on the night that you you don't have Patrick Beverly available, this is when LeBron and AD are out. That's just wrong. Anyway, uh, I, I like that Pat Bev is like, oh, so all three of the big three are sitting, <laughs> yeah, right? Do you think they'll let him sit by him? I, I mean, by I, I don't think anyone should be sitting near AD right now. Yeah, well, the Lakers disagree clearly. <laughs> so, um. Yeah. All right. So today, uh, the Lakers are going to be playing here in a few hours. We are live right now talking about uh, some goings on. Kyle Kuzma is in um, some rumors that are surrounding the Lakers. Um, I'm going to give people a peek behind the curtain for that one, I guess, uh, because why not? And then uh, I want to also give Russell Westbrook some credit here because without the way that he has been playing off of the bench the Lakers would not have options in front of them. And that matters, obviously, not just for their ability to, to, to build a team, but just as importantly, maybe more importantly, for the conversations that they're having with teams on how they have to build this roster, they can actually, seriously, um, and genuinely say, yeah, we have some other options here. We don't necessarily feel like we have to move Russ right now. So... We're going to give Russ some kudos on that. Uh, as, as Look, given how well it went last week when Harrison gave me some Lakers news live on the air, uh, <laughs> we figured we would go back to that. Um, well, and I guess, do you want to do the NF tweet also? We have that. And oh, yeah. Have, yeah, we got we to gotta discuss your, your tweets. I have, I have an NF tweet that Harrison wants to talk about, and we're going to wrap up the show by talking about Santa because Patrick Beverly... <laughs> Did a very Patrick Beverly thing. So a loaded show that we have in front of you guys today. We'll start, though, with um, this Kyle Kuzma stuff. And like I promised, I'm going to give you guys a peek behind the curtain. I messaged Harrison on Slack. Was it over the weekend? I think it was over I think the it was weekend. Monday. Yeah, either, yeah, either Sunday or Monday. Hey, just a heads up. I'm, I'm hearing that the Lakers are keeping an eye on Kuz. And I'm not, I don't, I, I'm not a reporter, so I didn't want to go out that with that first. And all week we have been getting, all week we have been getting some version. Kuzma mentions the Lakers in a one-on-one -on -one with Shams. We get uh, Dave McMenamin and Zach Lowe just hypothetically throwing Kyle Kuzma's name out there. And and uh, Jake Fisher did the same on his podcast, friend of the show. Jake Fisher did that on on, on his show as well. So that's where we find ourselves here with. I, I think we can say there's some smoke around this one, right? Like we can we can say that there's yeah, some smoke swirling around Kuzma. It's not particularly hot. It's not you know it's not a ton of smoke, but there's some there's enough smoke to do some smoke signals. I would say. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's not like it's not like a forest fire, but you know you see it off in the distance. Like it's clear that someone has a campfire going. Do you? All right. So there's a few directions that we can go in 
when talking about Kyle Kuzma. Um, we could talk about the asset management that goes into bringing back Kyle Kuzma and how that's pretty indicative of the Rob Polinka tenure. We could talk about all of that being damned because the Lakers could seriously use a player like Kyle Kuzma. Um, and then we could also just talk about like, I'm curious how you think Kyle Kuzma, who seems to really be enjoying the freedom that he has in Washington, would handle like coming back. And like he just finished saying to Shams, hey, I really, I, you know, I was there in LA and LeBron and AD play in my position. And it's nice to come here I, I and not he have those guys in front of me. actually said they play similarly to him, which was one of the most wildly <laughs> overconfident that like, I One love day Kuz. I want to have as much confidence as Kyle Kuzma. One day. I love Kuz. He, look, if he if he comes back, if the Lakers bring him back, I have to get that pink sweater. I have to just go the out. The Lakers should make it a jersey. I, I'm telling you, the Wizards no, missed their t-shirt opportunity. T-shirt night. T-shirt night. <laughs> pink Kuz sweater night. Um, so, yeah, which, which of the directions do you want to go in here? You have three options in front of you. I mean, I think that we have to talk about the asset management part of it just because <laughs> it is so funny that they're being linked to him again now just a little over a year after trading him. Like, again, <laughs> yes to everything that you said about he would be, you know, a pretty good fit. He would probably help this team. All of that stuff for sure. But they did just attach a first-round pick to him and multiple other players to acquire Russ. And as we all know, you know, when Rob Palenka is making trades, he has several rules, and two of them are must be a former Laker. So, you know, check checks that box. Uh, and you also have to wildly overcorrect for a previous mistake that you made. And I think that, you know, acquiring a former Laker by wildly overcorrecting for trading them away, like this fits into the che- to neatly into the box of things that Palenka <laughs> would believably do. Yeah, I I gave you a theory. Did I say it on the show? Did I say it on a show that my, my theory on Rob Palenka or is that is that a slack joke? I don't remember that that I'm not positive that Rob Palenka watches non Lakers games. I'm pretty sure you've said that on the air. Yeah. All right. Good. So, well, if not, I'm saying it on the air now. I <laughs> we're getting a lot of data on this front that would indicate um, that Rob has some interesting viewing choices uh, in his in his job. Like I joked to you, I believe when the Lakers played Indiana, that they wanted to wait. Like, part of the reason they wanted to wait 20 games before they trade for Buddy Heald or Miles Turner was that it would finally be, like, after Rob Palenka sees them for the first time. Like, that would be... <laughs> Rob is probably familiar with Heald. He represented him, but... That's probably fair. <laughs> yeah. Although he hasn't seen him. Like, do you think, do you think when he sees Buddy... Because they had to be pretty close, right? Like the agent-player relationship is a is yeah. Is, he's like, well, I can't be seen as tampering, so I'm just not going to watch anybody heels games <laughs> at all. No, like, do you think when they see each other at the game, <laughs> Rob Palinka's like, buddy, haven't seen you in forever. Like, <laughs> have you been? Have you been playing? <laughs> what are you, what's your vorp? <laughs> right. If you're open tonight, please miss. Um, yeah, I, so 
the asset management thing here like it's is, it's too funny to not acknowledge that you know oh, this yeah. would be them and again that's not even necessarily a reason they shouldn't do it but it is yeah. you know like it remember when they ship Kuz out it was this big thing it's like oh it's the end of the Kyle Kuzma era in LA you know he had like a you know long storied tenure like survived the AD trade the boy who lived won a championship <laughs> morphed himself into you know this different type of player yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like oh well you know like a year and a half later it's like well you know we could, you know, reacquire him on the contract we gave him two years ago and, you know, uh, yeah. and extend him again against all odds. It, it is, how long you know. before, like, how long until the Lakers reacquire Russell Westbrook? <laughs> like, how long? <laughs> this <laughs> what's, summer. What's this the summer. grace period? They're, they're, they're I think gonna, they have to wait a year, but. <laughs> yeah, they're going to let him go ball out for some team on, like, the, on, like, the mid-level, you know, and then pay him, like. Fifteen million dollars a year to come back. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to give him the the their uh, taxpayer mid level next year. Although they won't be a taxpayer next year, so it'll be like the 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 full minimum or the full mid level. Um, yeah, the, the 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 asset management thing here is interesting because everything that you've said obviously is objectively true. It's not great that they attached not just a pick to Kuzma to get somebody else. But it was Kuzma and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, both of whom have gone out and proven exactly why you don't just trade away 3D wings. <laughs> like that, That's why you don't do that kind of a thing in the NBA in 2022, the year of our Lord. And, and like, I just, I look at, I look at the way that like the Lakers are, are run and it's all too often a, a move towards the story, right? It, it, a trade can't just be a trade. There has to be a story attached to it, right? It, a, a hiring can't be a hiring. It has to be, no, we're bringing back the prodigal son, Magic Johnson. You know, yeah, a hiring Kyle, Kyle Kuzma, we had to trade him away to develop somewhere out of the bright lights in LA, and now yeah. he's ready for his return. Right, which, again, I have questions about. It was about. a win-win for both sides, Anthony. <laughs> like, he, he got some freedom to go and develop other aspects of his game. Washington certainly feels like it was a win. Washington yeah. absolutely <laughs> thinks that was a, that was a W. Although weirdly, uh, they don't seem to be that interested in extending him. Is like sort of all the you know smoke and context around this. Yeah, or like well, keeping oh, him. that's so actually you know, that, like that we should talk we should talk about that. Why is Kyle Kuzma available in the first place, or hypothetically available in a way that would allow for smoke to be swirling around him? Right. And the only real reason seems to be that they probably aren't going to pay him, right? That's yeah. it. And they're just bad, like. Right, but like they have Bradley Beal, so you know that like while you have Bradley Beal on the contract that he's going to be on, you know you're going to probably be competing. Why would you not want a really competing good 3D wing? <laughs> well, <laughs> fair, fair. I mean, but like the plan. I mean, yes. I know again, Glasshouse shouldn't throw stones, but they, but they are, not, you know. Yeah. You're not re you're not rebuilding, right? With yeah. with Bradley Beal on that contract on your books. And so if, if again, if you have if you're not rebuilding and you have Bradley Beal on that number and you're like at least theoretically trying to win, why are you just letting this guy leave? I mean or or, or why are you why is it already taken for granted that you aren't going to pay this guy? Like that's just I don't know. I'm I'm not a Wizards fan. Maybe we need to talk to you know bring uh, Mike Prada back, or we need to bring uh, Michael Sykes back to ask them what the hell's going on here. 
But look, at the end of the day, the Lakers could potentially take advantage of a situation here where uh, a team decides for whatever reason that this is not somebody that they are not going to pay beyond this season. And like, I feel like whatever contract Kuz gets next also is going to be like a very fair one. He isn't, he hasn't played so incredibly well that he's going to get overpaid. And the Lakers could definitely use somebody on their books beyond this season. So the idea that like the Lakers would be trading for a potential rental, I would think that the Lakers would extend him as soon as he got here, as soon as he got back. But yeah, I I don't I don't personally understand it, but it, it is the and, and it is because I don't understand it or because it doesn't make much sense. That's kind of the grain of salt to take with this entire situation is it might be so all right, I'm like, gonna be do you feel like he helps though? Like, I, I mean, that's a bad way to phrase that question. I do feel like he helps. Like, he's a type of player that the Lakers don't have. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, there is – we don't have to go back that far, you know, in really in the show's feed to find you begging the Lakers to trade Kuz for someone else because he didn't really kind of fit, you know, alongside LeBron and AD the best. It was always kind of wonky. Like, again, it deserves credit. He sort of made it work on a lot of levels and, you know, definitely became a better player and became a more useful one in a winning situation, got better on defense all of those things and would sort of give this team just a size frankly on the wing that they just don't have but you know again beggars can't be choosers and the Lakers aren't offering a whole lot but is that like are there moves that you would rather see them make like is this sort of your what you think is going to be the best available for what they have to offer like I, I don't it's just weird to me you know the whole they traded him away because they didn't think that he fit all that way. It doesn't show a lot of conviction in your own basketball evaluation and yeah. vision that you'd be trying to reacquire this guy that you traded in part because you thought he was kind of an iffy fit behind your two stars while giving up like another asset to get him back after giving up one in the trade. Yeah. I mean, I look clearly the Lakers have no idea the value of a three and D wing, right? Like fair. I, I think it has a lot more to do with the fact that he used to play for the Lakers than the the people at the top of this food chain. He does have actually. certified Mamba mentality as well. Also that. It's an important you know. factor to consider here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I Do I think he helps? Yes. Is he the best that the Lakers could get for what would essentially just be like, I don't think. Yeah, I guess if trade. it's just like probably none and, you know, and Pat Bev and You can just you could get away with just Pat Bev and a pick. Okay, that's you right. Could, yeah, I forgot how much he was making. You he's really underpaid. Um and and that's why also like I think his extension is actually going to be very feasible too. So to me I think it it makes a lot of sense in a vacuum, right? And that's what we always keep coming back to is in a vacuum these moves make sense, but when you look at them all together the vacuum explodes, right? <laughs> like your, your Dyson vacuum is no longer working. Um, it would so, be sort of, it, it just as a series of moves, getting rid of coups, keeping THT, o- overpaying THT, trading him for Pat Bev, and then using that salary slot to reacquire yeah. coups again. It's just Right. When, when all along, all, all that they could have done is just pay to keep Alex Caruso, keep, KCP, keep Kuzma and keep a championship core intact and not overreact to losing to the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs when neither of your two stars were healthy. Yeah, when AD was hurt and LeBron was was limited. Yeah. (laughs) That that was something the Lakers could have done. 
yeah, I, I the other the 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 thing that I also need to well, the, the, kind you know of point this out. This team is title or bust, and they chose bust. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the I do want to come back to the notion of like Kuzma just reassume like just what we've seen in Washington from Kuzma, which has been very good, just transferring back over to the Lakers. He's not a natural three. Like he is, he doesn't defend threes very well. And, uh, he, and he certainly won't defend twos very well. Right. He's not like your three and D wing. He's like a three and some D wing. Right. And he's like, he's like a three and a half in D wing, I guess. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking three is in the positional designation. That's three is in arc, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. Like I think, I think for, for what the Lakers would be getting back, do I think he's the best option? I don't think there are going to be very many like three and D options out there. Right. Harrison Barnes is playing really well for Sacramento. They aren't going to be breaking that roster down anytime soon. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is, is probably available, could be, could be had, so, yeah. but a lot of the same issues. Boyan is a better shooter, but he's not as mobile and, um, you know, didn't play for the Lakers. And then, you know, <laughs> and then. And realistically, if they had wanted Boyan so bad, they could have looped him into yeah. that. Pat Bev trade most likely and like sort of expanded that. And so clearly yeah. there was not a lot, like they didn't have a lot of value on, on Boyan. And the other, like the other three and D wing, or well, I don't even know. We, he's not good at threes and he's not good at defense, so he's just a wing. But Cam Reddish is now almost officially available from New York, right? As the Knicks and his management and his team are working on a trade. Uh, guess who? <laughs> guess who they are working with? Harrison. <laughs> it was. I think I didn't read the piece, but apparently Stefan Bondi, um, who wrote about it. Uh, for the is it New York Post or is it New York Daily News? I forget. Um, but he wrote that apparently, you know, that that Cam Reddish is is uh, working towards a trade with the Knicks, and the only team that he listed there was the Lakers. That's the kind of stuff that like it's it's worth perking up an ear to, right? That's 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 well, something and the, the fact the that the Lakers have tried to acquire Cam Reddish like multiple times at this point, two or three times, right? Yeah, I think, yeah. So. I, how I kind of see this playing out is none in a second for Reddish and Pat and a first for Kuz. And then that leaves you with Russ and a first if you need more beyond that. How to, and if that was how this plays out, how, how would you feel about that roster? I, I think it's better. Yeah, it is better. I don't know why I'm saying I think. It is like moving on from Pat Bev. And I, I do think that Pat Bev has probably gotten more criticism than he's deserved just because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that some of the things that he's being asked to do, he's not really all that well suited for, which is like catching and shooting. Problem. No, 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 no. Like the cat, <laughs> the shooting thing is, you know, that's that's an abomination. But like some of the like the team is still, I believe, still better with him on defense than they are when he's off the floor. Like he's still, you know, somewhat doing the defensive stuff they were hoping for. And like, look, they're starting three guards, you know, like that's not really yeah. a situation where, you know, Pat Bev is kind of defending your biggest wing. Like that's not think, really. Do you think they're <laughs> They're trading for Kuz to bring him off the bench. <laughs> Six man of the year. Um, 
I think that team would be better. I don't know if it's better enough that I buy that the Lakers would give up a pick in that trade just because they seem to be focused on like, no, 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 we keep all our picks to make one big move. We don't we don't make small moves. So that's not what we do. We're saying yeah. we want, yeah, you know, we two first rounders. You know, that's that's a good amount right now. But think about this summer. We have three first rounders and <laughs> cap space. You know, I just, I guess, you know, one of the arguments that I've kind of seen going around that is somewhat compelling to me is the idea that if the Lakers do trade that one of these first, then teams can, maybe it does sort of open up trade talks in a weird way, Mm -hmm. you know, with other teams because they stop being so unreasonable about like, you need to give us both first to even consider taking on Russ uh, because the Lakers are like, well, we only have one. So, you know, you can't ask (laughs) for something that we don't have right now. And so, you know, maybe that's an argument. And again, like Kuz is probably worth the first round pick if you're going to, if you're planning on extending him now, Kuz being Kuz, I would be shocked if he did extend because I feel like he's the type of guy that's going to want to test unrestricted to free agency for the first time this summer, if nothing else, than like to do, I don't know, like a vlog or something on like different recruiting meetings or, you know, like get like have some of that media scrutiny and, you know, get to get wined and dined and get some free (laughs) meals and all of that stuff. Like I I would be kind of surprised if he didn't at least test unrestricted free agency, but Mm -hmm. you're probably trading him with the idea that you're going to use his bird rights to resign him. Um, And so, so that's probably you, well, hold on. the first round pick. That that implies that the Lakers know what bird rights are. Well, they know what bird rights are. They just haven't always shown a willingness to use them. I'm pretty <laughs> convinced they know what they are. Although I guess they did try to convince Alex Caruso to stay for less to play for exposure. So maybe not. Um, do you think? Do you think? But, do you think Rob Palenka and the Lakers think bird rights are players' free speech rights on Twitter? Like, do you think no, that's, that's uh, they they're like, no, that's that's some Celtics BS. We don't do that. It's <laughs> it's purple and gold. Like we we only use magic rights. <laughs> oh, my God. So the whole the key to the Lakers the last few years is that <laughs> if, if they were just magic rights, we would still have Caruso. <laughs> I, I, I'm not willing to rule it out. <laughs> Magic rights is so much more fun too. All right, I know we need it's just, we need to petition. They probably the they can't do that because if they called it that, it would just sound like it was this like magical salary cap exception <laughs> that you. Get, which I guess actually that sort of is what bird rights are. It's honestly a better name. This is BS yes. that Bird got the contract that got them named. White that. I don't care. I, I want magic rights. Magic has the famous contract too. That's the part of this that I really don't get. Uh, whatever. Well, but the bird um, one was like they were in a situation where because of the way the cap was at the time, they would have been sort of penalized and probably not able to offer him as much. So the NBA yeah. just was like, bird rights are a thing now. Um, <laughs> I think they called them something else, but they became known as bird rights. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I was going to take it. Oh, yeah. I was going to use this as an opportunity to segue over to the to, to Russ because – like, like you just said, right? You just said a second ago that the reason the Lakers or, or one reason to potentially make this Kuz trade with one of the first-round picks is so that, like, you just end the stalemate with some of these other teams who will not have conversations with the Lakers, apparently, if they aren't talking about both of those uh, first-rounders. And, you know, heading into the season, I would have said using a first-round pick in any circumstance that isn't getting the most that you can possibly get in a Russell Westbrook trade would be kind of a a waste of that asset, right? Because, you know, your priority needs to be elsewhere. But because of the way that Russell Westbrook has played this year, 
the Lakers really do have options here. And, and like, I know Russ stands out there, all of you, want every bit like you're kind of like the Patrick Beverly in this situation where like he hates Santa because he wants credit for buying his kids those gifts like you want Russ to get every bit of credit for every single thing he does so here I am Anthony Irwin at Anthony F or no yeah at Anthony Irwin LA on Twitter there's Harrison Fagan at HM Fagan on Twitter here we are to say Russell Westbrook deserves a whole bunch of credit for playing well enough that the Lakers do, at least in theory right now, have options. And 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 like I, I know it sounds I, I'm making this. I sound love that your idea of, of credit is the Laker Russell Westbrook deserves credit for playing so well that the Lakers can unceremoniously dump him while giving up less. <laughs> I'm realizing Hashtag that I'm, I'm thank not, you, Russ. Hashtag I'm not doing a great job <laughs> in in, uh, <laughs> in 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 explaining this without the Lakers sounding are gonna sarcastic. have to throw so much less in the catapult sending him out of los angeles now you yeah know. the catapult like it's not gonna get tennis elbow like it's just it's the wear and tear yeah. on the catapult's gonna be way better but no i i russ didn't <laughs> they have only to. have to throw one middle schooler in the catapult with him it's you know it's great <laughs> That's no way to talk about Austin Reeves. So, <laughs> so, so uh, Russ, though, now look, he didn't have to accept the role that, we, that the way that he has, right? Like he, he, yes, I think him doing this has probably extended his career because it shows to other teams what they're, what, what he's willing to do to win. It's not just lip service when he says, you know, whatever it takes to win, yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to come out here and help my team win. He actually yeah, can back past, that up. That sort of meant like I'm willing to score points, rebound, <laughs> get assists, preferably with at least ten of, of all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now, look, I I, I think the bar but now has gotten, it actually has extended to trying on defense, making hustle plays. Yeah, you know, at least occasionally. Off the ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the I think the Lakers don't beat Milwaukee if he doesn't make that play, diving on the sideline that gets the get that gets. LeBron, they don't the beat opportunity Milwaukee to pass if he's the ball not to as 80. efficient of a playmaker and scorer yeah, as he was. Fifteen assists like, in that game. He was moving the ball well and yeah, smartly, just no, like no turnovers. There was, you know, like he was he was great. Yeah, and and again, like I I could be cynical and I could say that he had to do this in order to extend his career, but. Russ has also made all of the money that really matters, right? Like he's There's also still he's, no guarantee that he was going to do it, even if that was the yeah. incentive. You know, like he right. That's what I mean. Just hang it up. Like he he deserves credit for it, deciding exactly to make the choice. Exactly. Like he did. Again, he didn't have to. Like he could have just. He's going to be a Hall of Famer regardless. He seems perfectly fine with walking away from the NBA without winning a championship. Like that is that is something he has said multiple times. That that's fine. For him, he's had a great, and he has had a spectacular career regardless, without it. Um, and and if this had, you know, if he had been stubborn about this and would have been so uh, impossible to work with after they moved him to the bench that they just had to send him home, like, that would probably be it for, for Russell Westbrook, and that would have been fine for him. And so that's what I'm saying, like, he didn't have to do all of this. And not only has he has he done, I think, enough to extend his career, but he's gone above and beyond in a way that like Lonnie Walker on my on, on my show was saying, Hey, everybody else 
if you're if you're like not interested in sacrificing for the betterment of the team, one of the best point guards in the history of the sport is coming off of the bench um, while he's still on a max contract. You know, this is somebody who who only a few years ago was averaging a triple double, and him doing that in this way, I think not only has it you know extended his career, and not only has it made it easier for the catapult to work, but but it's also like most importantly here, it really has, I think, turned the Lakers season around. I I, I legitimately think so that it was going to take. It's been a big part of it. Him, him, yeah. and AD sort of rediscovering, you know, his aggressiveness and touch and all of that stuff, and his yeah. back just getting better. Clearly, that too. So like I, I, you know, it's really cool. Like I remember writing for Silver Screen when he moved to the bench, and it looked like it was working pretty well. I said, you know what? Good. You had a nice final chapter to wrap this thing up. You know, I think I analogized it to a, a, a breakup, right? Where right before the breakup, you guys are getting along great. Just end it right there. If you're in a toxic relationship and, and you just have that one nice little thing, that, that, that last date that you had that was nice, just end it right there. You're good. There's your closure. Everybody can move on. And, and no, I think in, in this case here, um, while I would still prefer personally to, to move him because I don't think $47 million coming off of the bench and not necessarily closing all the all of your games is the best use of your cap uh, space. But, but Probably the Lakers, not, but until there's a deal, that's the, that's like the best situation. The oh, Lakers for sure. Have. Yeah. That, 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 and also like when they, when look previously, when the Lakers were going to talk to the, to, to teams about moving Russell Westbrook, it was known like the, the, the oxygen in the room was, yeah, we have to move this guy. It was untenable. And it was last year. It was untenable heading into this season. I would argue it was still untenable. Now that, now that Russ is coming off of the bench and, and playing the way that he is, it is tenable. It's, it can, this thing can, they can, they can afford to ride this out for a little bit. Um, and, and, and this does, you know, all of the, the first 20 or so minutes of this conversation where we're talking about Kyle Kuzma and the Lakers ability to potentially move Russell West or uh, Patrick, <laughs> Freudian slip, Patrick Beverly um, for Kuz and Nunn for Reddish and then see what else you can get for Russ in the first, like, those are options that the Lakers didn't have a month ago, you know? No. And also, I, I, I guess this is also where I don't, I, you know, I think the, 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 the waiting this out has paid dividends, right? Now I, I, I think we've reached the Are you the willing point, to apologize to Rob? Well, you know, we're still talking about trading the guy or trading for the guy who you packaged with another really important player and a first-round pick for the guy that we're talking about you eventually trading. So like, <laughs> here's a slap on the bat, back, I guess, for like things working out okay. But, but I, I, I think here specifically though, Russ playing the way that he is, has, I think, given, you know, breathed some life into this Lakers season that I don't think you or I saw coming. 
certainly not in this way. No, I, I did not. You know, after last year, I had very, very low hopes and expectations. And it's funny, you know, I was famously, uh, you know, and I've I've taken this L. I was I was an advocate. I was a fan of the Russ trade. I thought that the team needed a little bit more ball handling and dynamism, and you know that they could sort of figure out how to make it work. And if there had ever been a situation where Russ was going to sort of transition into a sort of lower usage, you know, a role alongside other stars that, you know, this would be the one in his hometown. And, you know, like after sort of, you know, bouncing around the league a little bit, maybe this would be the time. And it's funny, you know, I'd sort of given up on that after last year. And I'm, I was still wrong in the fact that the big three still don't fit all that well together. And the Lakers have mostly just gone away from using them for any extended period of time altogether. But this is sort of what, you know, like the optimistic view was of what this would look like, where, you know, he's doing enough in that he's setting up AD a whole lot, you know, just spamming pick and roll with him. You know, he's hustling on defense, using some of that extra energy he doesn't have to expend with a bigger offensive burden to try and make hustle plays, you know, really push pace every single time coming down the floor. You know, all of it, he's hitting, you know, corner threes and other threes at a decent rate at the very least. And, you know, the fit with LeBron still clearly doesn't work very well, but this is sort of what I was hoping for. And, you know, again, it does it clearly does not have the ceiling that I think I or the Lakers were hoping for uh, when the when the move was made. But this is sort of, you know, this was sort of what the vision was supposed to look like was Russ, you know, as someone to take on some of those ball handling duties, allow, allow LeBron to miss games or rest a little bit at times and really set up AD start to buy in a little bit more on defense and all these types of things uh you know this was sort of the the vision and again you know i'm i'm not patting myself on the back or rob palinka too hard because it is not working to it worked to the degree that they obviously hoped it would when they made the deal but it's been better and russ deserves credit for that yeah, that's that's why I'm I'm reluctant and to Darwin, give frankly because uh, you know just selling this in you know yeah. the way that he did and getting Russ to buy in that was something that clearly was not on the table and within Frank Vogel's skill set. However, yeah. you know whatever other foibles or other mistakes that you want to criticize Vogel for, you and I were both critical of many throughout the last year. Like honestly, the biggest one was the ability to just get Russ to buy into you know any sort of change in role or whatever. And Darvin has really brought a lot more gravitas and ability to have those sort of tough conversations and gain Russ's respect, you know, during them. Yeah, I think, you know, Russ clearly prefers to be spoken to directly. Yeah. You know, Russ, there, and look, he, we as humans have certain things that we, that we ask, you know, preferences in, in, in the way that we handle our day-to-day business. And, you know, Frank uh, is very optimistic Frank is, is, you know, always has a pep in his step and all of that stuff. And, and it might just be that the way that Frank was trying to, you know, offer up his message to Russ was just not sinking in. And um, in this case, like there has been a lot reported on it. One of the things that um, has really stood out to me in, in, in some of my conversations is like, yeah, him is constantly talking to Russ, like always on Russ. If he has to be on him, always the first to, to greet him. If he, if he spearheads a run um, and that, that type of extra effort, you know, clearly has worked out here. So I think, 
you know, if we're if we're if we're divvying up the credit pie here, I would probably go Russ with the majority of it. Oh, for Cam. sure. Yeah. To be clear, that that was that. I oh, yeah, yeah. On that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I I think Russ deserves the majority of it. I think Ham takes the next biggest slice, and then like Rob gets a couple crumbs here and there. Um. <laughs> Rob gets like the Costco sample size of the of the pumpkin pie. You know. <laughs> uh, you said you had a quote. You had a quote that you wanted to give to me. On the, oh, can I also give you a stat on, on Russ? Just, you sure. know. So this is from the No Dung Sink uh, pod. And apparently they tallied it up. And the Lakers so far this year are 1-7 in seven when, when Russ rocks the baby. Is there a way that we can stop him from rocking the baby? <laughs> you know, the numbers would argue that that's probably a conversation that they should have. Um... I actually have a theory on like why that stat, stat might exist the way that it does. You okay, so it? do I. But go ahead, you you go first. No, you go first. I've talked. I've talked to them. Okay, most I was. Uh, my theory is that you know it, it's like hey, like if things are going okay and you're in a tight game and you get a big basket, like maybe trying to emasculate the opponent is <laughs> not the move. Um, you know, to sort of wake them up. Yeah, yeah. Especially I, when like the guy that's like Patrick probably Beverly thinking. Isn't, isn't really that much smaller than you and <laughs> and then you like give up a basket on the other end you know that's a, just... that's the that's the thing that like like Patrick Beverly is a lot of things but I think his teammates probably not that thrilled all the time when he talks as much as he does to the other teams a lot of times best player like like usually that's one of those situations like don't put the bears the bear's sleeping the bear's chill we have the bear where we want him. Yeah. Don't poke the bear. Bears, the bear's in hibernation. Stop throwing rocks at him. We're good. Stop, Leave the stop bear giving alone. him cocaine. He's going to rampage on this <laughs> yes. whole town. And, and the bear. <laughs> yeah. That's and meanwhile, Pat Bev is just up there like Jackie Moon. He's just like slapping the bear because he thinks it's like, you know, like it's a play thing. Right. And then it gets loose in the arena and the Lakers, well, you know. That's the thing with, with Pat is like, because right now, if he throws anything at the bear, he's definitely missing. So he has to go up and like slap the bear. Like he's, he's running up and <laughs> leveling this bear. Uh, my theory on, on, on this stat is when Russ rocks the baby, he's usually just made like a really good play, right? Usually he, get, he takes somebody into the post or you, almost always. It's him taking somebody into the post, spinning around that player, and getting to the basket and scoring. And, uh, in, you know, if it's an N one, even better. He rocks that baby even for, more fervently. But the problem with that, though, is once he makes the one good play, he, he heat checks a lot. He loves him some heat check. And it's not, it's not just, it's not, I'm fine with one heat check, by the way. I'm, I'm a, Kobe is right behind me over here. Yeah. And and Kobe, big fan of the heat check too, right? Like when Kobe made when Kobe and it was great when Kobe, Kobe shot. Kobe it. usually made a couple jumpers before he went to the heat check, not like yeah. a post up layup though. Well, um, late 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 Kobe was, was well, late Kobe was just like sixteen heat checks a game. He was just he was constantly <laughs> checking the temp, you know, just trying to. <laughs> it's me as a father. I am constantly checking the temperature in my house, constantly. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, I like. I, I, I enjoy a heat check. I was a shooter myself. Like, there's no way to find out if you're hot without a heat check. Um, my coaches argued otherwise, but that was still, like, that was, <laughs> that was how I found out. 
And and so with Rust though, like usually you take the one heat check, you know, and and it's a pull up three, it's a pull up mid range jumper or something like that, and you miss it, or it's a pass that maybe you have to really squeeze into a tight hole, um, and and you turn it over, and usually that's the end, right? You move on from trying to trying these heat checks, but Russ Russ does like to keep on. Well, but that one was just a well, fluke. I, I mean, yeah, I'm hot, guys. he's he's testing his hypothesis. And so he's like, well, I can't just give up on this experiment about the temperature of my jump shot just after one failure. I need to see if that post up really turned it on. You know, yeah. that's basically how they lost the indie game was right. Russ was Russ was on fire. And then uh, like, you well, know, he was making like all these layups and stuff. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to let me uh, let, let me get up a couple, you know, fadeaways here. That's a, That's a great addition to my theory, because he. <laughs> He doesn't usually rock the baby early in the game. He yeah. almost always rocks the baby later in the game when positions matter a little bit more and those heat checks matter just that little extra bit. And I think that might be going into the Lakers being one in one in seven's a loud number. Right? Like that's yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they got that stat from Reddit, so I don't know how accurate that is. Like I, I'm I'm somewhat yeah. I'm throwing up a slight warning flag. I don't know if that was like ESPN you think the stat is on uh, NBA <laughs> NBA.com slash stats. I think there's only one. There's really only one way to check it, and that's for us to do it like eight more times. Uh, you know, <laughs> next eight games, see what the record is. The heat check, the heat check, heat check. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's um, let's wrap again. On. I love that this segment started with you're like, let's give Russ some credit, and then you're like, all right, let's do five minutes making fun of his heat checks. Look, man, they're hilarious. I'm sorry. I'm I laugh at twenty tweet just the part of you giving him credit, like as a clip, <laughs> and be like, Russ stands, check it out, check out You're, this pod. We finally give him the credit he deserves. And then, no, you, the problem is like you're definitely grabbing the clip of this exchange to talk about Russ. Like, I, that's what. And I you're just going to be left out of it, too, for some reason. I, I cannot confirm or deny that that is what I just texted my video <laughs> staff to get on right now. <laughs> so uh, you said you have a, another uh, a, a quote for me. All I right. do. Before before I do, though, I just to sort of wrap up the Russ discussion, are you sort of of the mind that the Lakers should try to strike while the iron's hot, like get some deals done right now? Are you still in the mindset of like you want to move him, you want to get these Pat Bev deals, you know, the Nun deals, like uh, do something sooner rather than later, I guess. Uh, it's sort of like a tying a bow on all this. Or like yeah. you sort of want to give it some more time. No, I, I, I've had enough of the Patrick Beverly experience. I've okay, well, then I have some good news. Uh, the the Lakers, Kendrick Nunn experience. Yeah, Woj was just on SportsCenter, and he was talking <laughs> about how he thinks – so this is a quote from him. I think the stretch has bought the Lakers a little bit of time now to really not have to rush into anything. Their strategy mm. remains the same. They're not mm. going to use their first-round picks unless they can get back an all-star level player. So, again, sort of like last week uh, – <laughs> We're raising the expectations and we're kicking the can down the road again, baby. I was not expecting, you know, like I, I saw our, our our friend Sam Quinn had uh had a tweet about this where he's like the Lakers just keep raising the bar. It's like, well, it's only gonna be if we can get like an all-star level player. And it's like, okay, like maybe you could get DeMar DeRozan. Well, a younger all-star. And it's like, well, Zach Levine, well, we don't really want injury concerns. Like, let us know when Jokic is available for Russ and two first, you know? It's just like <laughs> To finally yeah. let AD play the four. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, look, I wrote for Silver Screen, right? Um, a column that your dad liked. 
quite a bit that I, the indications here that the Lakers don't want to invest more into this team, that that is not something that they want to do. They want to be absolutely forced into doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like in the way that people think that Anthony Davis and LeBron forced uh, Rob Palenka, tied him to a chair, grabbed his thumb, put it on the thumb machine that gives you access to the super top I, they secret actually, trade it machine. It's crazy. They took one of those things from like Guardians of the Galaxy and they ripped out his eyeball and put it up <laughs> to the IR scanner to yeah. do the thing. And then they had it surgically put back in so that he couldn't, yeah. you know, prove it wrong. It's it's honestly really incredible. It's, it's a, a feat of modern medicine, frankly. Yeah. And um, so I think that's what that's what they're expecting. It's like the Lakers are going to because look, if you were looking for proof of what like because the, the the bar like we're talking about the bar of what kind of player the Lakers want back, right? Like that's what Sam Quinn is talking about, and yeah. and um, I I'm I'm not disagreeing, but the funny bar is that like. We're, they keep raising the bar on what the expectations of the current Lakers are. Yeah. Right? Where, we're like, well, you got to really kill it on this road trip. They start 2 0. They're like, well, I think that buys them some time to wait to make a deal. You know, they're not right. desperate anymore. Right, right. That's what I mean. Is that like they keep on, it, like the, the, the caliber of expectations here just keeps on rising. That again makes it more and more, you know, you know, frankly, it's, you just don't really want to invest in a team until it, it they are championship worthy, even without the trade, right? That's, that's the one that I'm waiting for that will fully turn me into the Joker. Is that like Woj will hop on SportsCenter and say the Lakers, you know, front office, they're brass. They've really enjoyed this play of late. Um, they don't want yes, to break this team up. Yeah, they don't, they don't want to mess with momentum is another one that, that I'm waiting for. Yeah, but no, yeah. I think the one, the one that really will set me off is when we find out that the Lakers are waiting for the La- for for this roster to become championship worthy, even without a trade, to then pull to off a trade. trade that helps them. Yeah, <laughs> feel like That's we want to see them beat some contenders yeah. so that we can prove that it's worth adding to this group. Like other than the Bucks, like, sorry, asterisk on the Bucks game. Chris Middleton had just Chris came back. Just got can't back. Ju- can't judge that team till he's had like you know a couple games back. Like the Lakers have rules on when they can judge other teams too. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, yeah. No, they, they have to beat. They, all right, so the Lakers play Boston Can't judge home. the Bucks until they get Pat Bev off the buyout market, you know? The Lakers play Boston at home, right, on uh, this weekend, isn't it? So they yes, play, or yeah, no, Sunday. next weekend, next week. So on Tuesday, a week from yesterday, uh, the Lakers play Boston at home. So that's the one that, like, Look, unless the Lakers beat the Celtics unless by the thirty-five stop points, the, like the, so far statistically, like the greatest offense ever, mm-hmm. it's not worth investing. Not not worth investing in them. <laughs> Damn it, Harris! I was in a good mood. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I've I've realized that our best bit is me bringing up news that you haven't seen yet because I didn't put it in the post channel. So Just unbelievable unbelievable did that happen recently how did i miss yeah that? it was been... like it was like within like the last two hours there was a there's a clip of woe john sports center okay it's been one of those days with my we, son so yeah we should have oh damian jones is you know feeling himself after last night's big game <laughs> well i guess both avery and miles have just been oof, man um well all right speaking of your children <laughs> well uh do you want to do nf tweet nf tweet and then pat Okay, yeah, all right. We could we could 
So I, I have an NF tweet here that um, I'm honestly, like, again, surprised at how angry people have gotten over this tweet. Uh, legitimately surprised. I said, LeBron and AD being able to overcome Russ Schroeder and Pat Bev at the same time to pull away late should be reason enough to get them more help, man. Make the damn trade already. Why are people angry at me for that? You're surprised that people are upset that you lumped Russ in with that group. I mean, yeah, I am surprised. This it's is the a, most new thing a, ever. It, it's that you put Russ in with any other player and did not declare him the MVP of the team. That's why they're mad. <laughs> I or mean, at the very least, sixth man of the year. I mean, LeBron's holding him back. Maybe that's who they should trade to get some help for Russ and AD. I don't know. That's uh, look based on some of the reactions to the tweet. I, I think you, you you're making a, a valid point to some people, but. I'm saying, like, I don't know how people are saying, like, how how are you dumping on on Russ here? Why are you dumping on Russ? Why how can you hate on Russ? I think in in that game he had 15 assists, which fair he was good in that game. I t- I completely yeah. agree. But I'm saying at he was the good same in that time, game. The Lakers just still had to overcome him. No, him and and Schroeder and Patrick Beverly at the same time. That's yeah, the- so I think that's the part that wasn't clear enough. I think it was more seen as my guess off of like the reading of like this in the is, lineup, like yeah, not not that, that they had to overcome those guys at the same it's that time. You were listing. I think most people took that as you were listing yeah. bad players that did not contribute, and the Lakers yeah. had to overcome. Yeah, I, I'm saying like, like I, I think if you would have said in a lineup with, yeah, I mean that's in fair. a lineup as small as. I think right. maybe, you know, the reaction is a little more limited, but, you All know, right. that's the 240-character struggle. <laughs> I had plenty of room. I I'm, had a lot I'm, of room there. I'm amazed that you're – I'm amazed that you're amazed that people were mad about that, but I guess that's I why we started doing it. that like, segment is you just like – this is <laughs> this is the whole thing, people. Everybody, everybody wants to get mad at me for Anthony making decisions with guests that he brings on the show or sending out tweets or whatever. The vast majority and, of the hate I got from that was from you. That well, was the weirdest. And, like, and and people like people get upset about these things, and they're like, "Harrison, how could you let him do this? I have no control, and he has no sense that he's about to make people upset. It's not a bit. He really he doesn't get it." I come from PR. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. No, on, on as you reaction. clearly showed Aaron last week, you're a master of PR. You're just going to force Shams to tweet what you want by being mean to him. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I, I agree. That's what the Lakers PR. That's how Woj built his empire. Like that's how it all worked out in the first they, place. Yeah, they, they got they got to start they got to start negging them. You know, it's like the <laughs> they, the Laker, in their press release they should be like fake news. Woj may have reported news about da da da. Exactly. Get them back. Wait, they... <laughs> Write their own columns. All right, let's. let's it's talk. time to unleash Darius on Lakers.com, Okay, like. <laughs> Is Woj fake news? Well, yeah. yes and no. So <laughs> it's just a headline on Lakers.com. Should we believe Woj? Yes and no is the length of the column. Yeah. All right. Uh the last the last thing here on the docket was uh this headline from TMZ. Lakers guard Patrick Beverly told his kids Santa isn't real, dot dot dot, explaining he wants the credit for all the gifts under the tree. <laughs> 
Do you think do you think Pat Bev like lectured his kids about like plus minus and like how Santa, you know, like his plus gifts are far higher than, you know, that like Santa is a net negative, you know? Yeah. Right. Like so the th- the thing the part of this that I that I have questions about <laughs> questions about a lot of it. But like the whole point of Santa is and by the way, if you have kids in the car, sorry. I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna give you a couple seconds. We're talking about Santa. Mute the you podcast. Can, hit mute it now. Hit pause. Oh my god! <laughs> Background Harrison. <laughs> Harrison Duck, so that we can see your pocket. <laughs> this is gonna be the the, the social. Pat Bev is like he's like he's like I killed Santa Claus. <laughs> I am Santa now. He's like Kratos and God of War just like took his powers, you know? Yeah. Um, Santa's hands there are white and Patrick Beverly. It's a- <laughs> Look, I'm not that great at Photoshop, okay? I just. But you don't want to do, you don't want to blacken I just Santa's looked up kids crying there. with Santa because I didn't want to scroll back through the video and find like yeah. your kid crying when you scared her as Santa. <laughs> it's an all timer. That's one of my favorite clips of Avery yeah. ever. It's so good. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, my, 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 my main question, though, in seeing that was, <laughs> like, Pat, the whole point of Santa is to make it so that, like, kids do what they're supposed to do with gifts at the end yeah, of but it. Pat Bev's like, making a list, and he's checking it twice. He's going to find <laughs> out. if he, Who knows better just if dad. your kids are... You're, you're a dad. You know better than Santa if your kids were naughty or nice. Like... No, I don't. <laughs> I have... I, Santa has elves on shelves and stuff like that. Like, we, like there's, there's, there's a whole process to this. Like, the, again, and and here's the other thing, is Santa also like there are some gifts that like you write down your your kid it will go to school, and they'll write down whatever it is that they want from Santa, and then that list makes its way back uh, home. Okay, and, I see where you're going with this. And if you don't get one of the things on that list, that's not on me. Santa okay, didn't get so you. She- this is where your parenting, your, I won't say expertise, but your parenting experience <laughs> comes in. Um, uh, you know, because me, I'm like, of course I would want the credit for all those gifts. And no. I'm sure when you're Pat Bev and you're making millions of dollars a year, the gifts yeah. are pretty great. So the kids are not going to be disappointed, but right. I can see why for you, given although your I could see Patrick Beverly life, giving his kids coal, right? Like we can, <laughs> it's like you didn't make your defensive rotations. <laughs> He's giving his kids the bricks that he's throwing up in, in uh, moneylaundering.com arena. I, I see why you are taking this stance because you, given your overarching life philosophy of, you know, under promise and over deliver, that way if your Thank kids you. are ever disappointed, yeah. you're like, hey, that was Santa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry Santa let you down and didn't get you that Nintendo Switch, Avery. No, look, eventually, like every kid at some point asks for a pony. Like the <laughs> top, the top, like. Zero 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 point zero 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 one percent of kids get a freaking pony. And Avery, Miles, one day you're gonna listen to this. You're not getting a pony, and it's not gonna be my fault. It's gonna be Santa's fault. Santa didn't yeah, build. You know, you know, Santa doesn't have a, a pasture for 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 the 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 pony to chill in. Like that's not something that that he built for us. That's all, that's all him. That's not his fault. That's that is his fault. It's not my fault. Um, so yeah, like that when you, <laughs> so you're not with Pat Bev on this, you're like, this is, no. they, you know, th- I guess, that probably works if you're a millionaire basketball player. Yeah. I think that's well, actually gotta, a smart move. 
you know. He might actually get his kids a pony. I mean, he might. He, you know, he probably could make that happen. You know, he, yeah. he's, he's, I'm, I'm, he's made I'm, like look, Anthony, you're, you, you seem like you're a great dad and you care about your kids. Pat Bev's kids' gifts are probably going to be better than the gifts your kids are getting. I'm just, <laughs> you know, being real. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I would probably say so. Although, Avery, the, the, the funny thing about gifts and all this stuff is that, like, you're going to give them to them in boxes and the kids just play with the boxes. Like, it doesn't matter I, what. Oh, what so gift. it's just like having a cat. Yeah, no, it's like it's the, look. We bought cats, Sasha a new bed, and he preferred sleeping in the box that it came. Yeah, in. cats, yeah. dogs, toddlers, drunk people—all the same <laughs> class of of preferences. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> what was the, what was your what was your personal pony like? What was your like saddest like Christmas moment? Mm, something you didn't get? Thing something I didn't get. Um, I think it was like Dis- Disneyland like tickets i like one morning like so a bunch of my friends i think uh when we were all heading out for for this was forever ago but um a bunch of my friends were talking about how like all right we'll see you at disneyland because like they were they were all getting ready to make this like collective trip to disneyland and um i thought my parents because it was like my soccer teammates so i thought my parents had heard the kids talking about disneyland and I woke up the next morning and I saw an envelope, right? I saw an, an envelope that was that was labeled, you know, Fred. It had like the Philly writing on it that it wasn't there the night before. So I thought for sure, this is definitely, I'm going to open this up and there's going to be tickets to Disneyland in there. Um, and no, it was just like, it was just like, hey, we found this extra letter to you from your Aunt Nancy. It's just... <laughs> So that's my idea. Like ten bucks in it at least, I hope. Like, you know, got No, some... it was just it was just like, here's how the family's doing. Your cousin Adrian just passed algebra. Fantastic. Well, if you want if you want a window <laughs> into my personal psychology and why I am the way that I am, um my my story is actually sort of similar. Uh okay. so like I love my dad. I will preface this best dad in the world. I am extremely lucky. Uh, I'm not complaining yeah. about him at all. Uh my dad is it does have a little bit of like a prank streak. Uh, he's very straight laced. So like he, you know, Santa was, he you know, is. my dad took the Pat Bev strategy of like, you know, like, yeah, they told us like Santa or whatever, but like it was, he was not really trying to hide that it was him buying the gifts. Like he'd ask us like what we wanted, like yeah. we'd see him order it on Amazon. You know, it was not like, you know, like he wanted to make sure that we got sort of what we wanted and like, you yeah. know, little, you know, as far as gifts and there were limits obviously, but like, you know, we generally did pretty well. And like one of the years I asked for a, uh, a Game Boy Advance SP, like really wanted the new Game Boy had like waited out the advanced generation like wanted the foldable one it was like the coolest thing that you know child harrison could possibly imagine and my dad uh is like okay he's like maybe it'll come maybe it's coming on christmas maybe santa will get it for you and like i knew that you know he had i saw him order it on amazon i saw an amazon box that he just like left out like a psycho to torture me on his desk (laughs) it's like no 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 don't open that you can't open it would just like sit on his desk there you know whatever and finally on christmas morning that same amazon box that i'd been begging him like can I just get it early? Like, you know, I'll still appreciate it, whatever. Like it's sitting out under the tree and I open it up and there's a package of socks inside of it. (laughs) And I like almost started crying. Like I was, uh, and then my dad, of course, like he gave me the Game Boy later and thought it was hilarious and still makes fun of me to this day about it. This Um, was two Christmases ago. Yeah, exactly. It was was last year. Um, 
So if you've wondered why I enjoy uh, pranking you with surprise news all the time, I think, I think that may be where it came from. We may have gotten a window yeah, in the just had in the, an epiphany. Yeah, yeah I've, like we're both we're both older brothers, and and our brothers are all younger, like pretty. You know, there's some gap in between your you and your brothers, and and me and my brothers. My youngest is 13 years younger than me. So yeah, I was. Actually, I mean, my, mine is nine, but still about the you know. Yeah. Yeah, like I. I I used to stay nine up years and, younger, not nine years old. I used to write the Santa notes for like like for them. I had to write it in my right hand. And I had to like take notes on what they did over the course of the year. And I mean, the good news was I got the milk and cookies at the end of the night, and you know I had to fill the stockings and all of that stuff. So Your parents was, outsourced Santa to you. <laughs> you messed up. <laughs> We're just learning a lot about ourselves right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like 12 years old. My mom's like, hey, no, not 12. I was like, no, because Andrew's seven years younger than me. So I, I must have been like, you know, in that in that six or seven year old range. And mom was like, hey. She's like, look, your mom's tired. She's going to bed. You here, take some candy, take some little toys like you fill up these stockings. You can have one of the cookies. I'm taking the rest. I grew up quick, man. I grew up quick in yeah. these mean Yorba Linda streets. <laughs> yeah, tough childhood for you. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, this live edition of the I Loathe Basketball, I Loathe Christmas podcast. Um, it's what this became. <laughs> I Loathe Santa. I think that's what we learned. I am, man, I Loathe Santa. I was Santa. I therefore loathe myself podcast. <laughs> I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Harrison Pegg, and we'll talk to you guys Th- this next week. This was half of them. <laughs> <laughs> like half of them. <laughs> <laughs>